Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. Hey, what's going on? It is your long-lost host, Sean Cudahy, and I am back with an awesome conversation with my good friend, S.B. Roz. We had a conversation, I don't know, probably back in August, but we just kind of wing it and catch up and talk about really, I guess our main point of topic here was focusing on introspection, individual growth, and all that other fun stuff that uh, we like to talk about around here. So I hope you enjoy this. I am still in the process getting my shit together trying to figure out what direction I want to take Room 9 in. It has been quite the challenge, but it is coming to a conclusion that I think I'm going to be happy with and that I can keep consistently putting out content. So I got some cool stuff happening. I got a podcast on parenting coming. I got a podcast on a book by Dr. Carl Hart, Drug Use for Grownups. We're gonna, I'm going to have a discussion with a good buddy on that. I got a discussion coming up with my wonderful significant other, on Michael Pollan's new book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. So I've kind of been into the books and just talking about books I've been reading. Also just have some yeah, cool-ass conversations coming up. So hope you guys are sticking around and bearing with me and putting up with my, I don't want to say laziness because I haven't been lazy, but it's been a it's kind of been a, like a stumping block with the new job and then trying to get all this uh, side work done and on top of this podcast. So, But it's happening, getting more of routine, getting back ahead on podcasts. Enjoy this one. I love you guys. I'm not going to keep you any longer. This was an awesome conversation with SB Roz, and you guys have to check her out. All her links, and LinkedIn and website and all that stuff. She is a coach and she is an amazing human being and I love conversing with her so take it easy happy monday peace all right what's going on oh man stuff (laughs) (laughs) stuff lots of stuff i know i gosh when's the last when did we chat last when was that it was at least 13 years ago but probably what like march or april no 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 it was last year i have no idea yeah, I don't know either. It feels like yesterday. Isn't it weird? Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, how time can at the same time be very quick, but seem like forever ago. Yes. I've been thinking of it as interminable sometimes <laughs> in the moment and um, like just lightning fast in the retrospect. It's crazy. I know. I was trying to figure out what that is. And I was like, is that because because time flies? But is it also, does it seem forever ago because of... I'm just curious is if it seems forever ago because of people who are very like introspective and continuously work on themselves and change. I mean, I, like I, like three weeks ago, I like I look at myself even three months ago and I'm like, I don't even know who that person was. Yeah. Like when you're on when you're on a roll, it's like time flies, too. It's like I don't I have no idea. There is a level of engagement with life uh, and ourselves that I think that's an interesting point that when we. I mean, we're fully engaged when we really pay attention to it. I think about Mary Oliver's poem, The Summer Day, a lot on that one. Do you know that one? Mm-mm. It's often quoted. I can't, I certainly cannot recite the whole poem, but the, the last couplet, the last two lines is something along the lines of um, what do you plan to do with your brief and precious life? And people often use this 
as sort of a call to action. So people love to pull out that couplet and be like, time's flying, use, use it to your best. But when you read the 13 lines that come before it, she's laying in the grass, watching a grasshopper very intently, hmm. you know, and being just very, very present. Um, and so I love that poem for that reason, both for the way it's misread and for what she's actually saying. And I, and I hear that reflected, you mm -hmm. know, in what you're saying, like we're being so very present with our own growth and with our lives. And how does that change our experience of time is such an interesting question. Though I will say that um, a story comes to mind for me always when I think about how rapidly time seems to go. And a friend of mine was telling me that her 99 year old at the time, 99 year old mother said that time is like a roll of toilet paper and the closer you get to the end the faster it goes <laughs> oh that's awesome i love that that's a i'm glad that is on recording so we can keep that one because that is an awesome one <laughs> that's a good one awesome so all right i have i have a hard stop here at noon great so i want to just obviously i feel like we already dived in right into it anyway so that feel like that's what we do so let's go. I don't even know. Like we didn't prepare for this, which I honestly, I start to really love these conversations more depending on who they are uh, with. But usually like somebody like you, I know there's a handful of people off the top of my head I can think of that I've talked to a few times and it's just like, it just goes deep and it goes awesome quickly. So I don't feel like we even need like a, a subject or even like a direction because it's just going to shape itself anyway. So what's going on in your coaching life? What's been on your mind? What have you been reading? What have you been interested in? Let's dive into it. You know, <laughs> I totally agree with you. We, we, from our very first conversation, go deep and go fast. Um, and I hadn't thought about this when we rescheduled, but today's sort of an interesting day. You're catching me on a day when I can really only be thinking very intently about one thing. Um, because August 22nd, yesterday, was the anniversary of a day, um, yesterday was 25 years since the day that I was attacked and almost killed. Oh, wow. By, yeah, by a person that I was in a relationship I had known. I was 18 at the time. I'd known him since I was 12. We met when he was 13 and I, you know, I was 12. And, um, you know, August 22nd is always sort of, a, or around then is always sort of a ripe time for me for introspection and being curious about my own healing and where I am in it and what this experience means to me at this point in my life as a very pivotal experience, right? Um, but 25 years, oh my gosh, like Sean, I love a milestone, like hook me up with a milestone <laughs> any old time I'm into it. Like <laughs> when I, when I turned 40 and 30, I was like, yes, this is great. It's a milestone. It's time to be really reflective, <laughs> which is such a silly relationship with the construct of time but whatever um yeah so that's what's on my mind thinking about healing and our relationships with our trauma and our relationships with other people's trauma and how lonely trauma can be and mm. how unifying it can be and i'd love to just sort of kick so that yeah let's go let's go because that's <laughs> that's a, that's an awesome topic because i just had somebody call me the other day out of the blue i haven't talked to him for four years girlfriend of nine years like I worked with them for probably four years prior to that in a restaurant and girlfriend like cheated on him and he's just a hot fucking mess he's mm -hmm. just a disaster and but he asked me you know he's like I'm having good conversation just you know sharing them with with the things that I've been through and but he asked me and I want to hear your opinion on this like no but what's but what's what comes after this I was like just keep crying dude that's that's the healthiest thing you can do right now and yeah. he's like, oh, I'm doing tons of that. But what comes next? When is this stage over? And what's the next stage? And then, you know, what's what's forward here? And he wants these answers from me. And I'm just like, bro, 
I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> like I have no idea. People ask me, how did I get through? So I'm curious to you, like if somebody came to you and was like, you know, you know, my husband or my, I guess it could be wife too, but my husband attacked me or whatever. It, you know, what, where do you go with that with somebody when they were just like, I want to know how to get over this right now. I, I am a hundred percent with you. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I do a lot of affirming for people like, yes, this sucks. And yes, you want out of mm -hmm. it. And yes, you're right to hate it. <laughs> and like, there can be space here to, to feel, feel how, how shitty and awful this feels and to accept that piece of it and to accept that you hate it and to accept that you want it to be over. 25 years later, I have zero expectation that this will ever be over for me, that I won't always be mm you know, picking little bits of this apart and looking at it and feeling it welling up in me and somehow but the relationship with it changes. That's usually when I'm talking to people about anything like this, that's what I'm usually focused on. Like your relationship with this is going to change, but like, you know, our, our, we are the fully woven fabric of our lives, right? We, we start, we can't pick anything out. I don't think, I think as humans, we work really hard um, to truncate ourselves, to amputate ourselves in some way so that we can only leave like the, the, you know, nicely pruned topiary of our beings. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's strange. Um, I think so many people, so many of us don't want to hear that it's never going to go away. Don't want to hear that it's part of life. Don't want to hear that's part of existence and definitely don't want to hear that part of it can end up being beautiful in its own way. And when I, th and I th think that is a huge issue across the world now with so many people is so many people don't want to come to terms with the dark side of existence. I've always just found, I think the way I came to a great relationship with shit is learning that that is where I grow. That is where I become a better person. That is where I see the things I need to work on. And then all of a sudden, like I can be in tears crying about something and still have this sense of peace and beauty with it. And that is, I don't know how I got there. I have no idea, <laughs> but that's a place to be at. I think. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that is you're hitting on what I've been learning in recent years that I find so extraordinary and so beautiful, which is like that wholeness, exactly what you're describing. Right. And um, yeah, that wholeness of having like a really rich, human experience and, and practicing accepting that all of it is part of the deal. And that to your point, when I allow for more of my own heartbreak and I allow for myself to experience more of that pain that actually counterintuitively, at least counterintuitively to me. And I think to a lot of us, like the pain is actually less daunting mm -hmm. the more I let myself experience it, right? It, it moves through me more easily so that it's not like I'm stuck in the thick of it. Like I was like the years after I was attacked, Oh, I was stuck in the thick of that depression. Mm. It was nasty and it was sticky and it was lonely and it was hard. And I resisted every little bit of it. You know, I did the best that I could, but that's what all I could figure out to do. Right. And I hid from as much of it as I could on and on and on. And now like I've learned just to, to accept it and to flow with it. Not that I'm great at it, but I'm learning. <laughs> And it brings in like so much joy. So like yesterday, to tell you a quick story, I asked a few friends to get together. Pause here to just be like, oh my God, that I have friends like this now is like, whoa, so cool. Um, fills my heart. So I asked some friends to get together on Zoom because we're all over the country and it's like, let's hang out. 
And on this hour long Zoom call on this really sort of important milestone for me, we literally danced. Like I played 90s dance (laughs) music. That's awesome. Yeah, we literally danced. We told stories. We connected. We cried. Like, and then we danced some more. (laughs) And that's not something I could have done 20 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a. It's a tricky thing. I think I think for so long I spent I mean, I think from like 26 to probably like early 30s or just a few years ago, I should say, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to like intellectuals like if I read every book, if I read every Alan Watts book or whatever, Jay Krishnamurti book, whatever it is, I'm going to like figure this out and I'm going to be able to like hack the system. And it just it doesn't it doesn't work like that. It's just weird how you can know all these things in your head. Yeah. And yet still not be able to apply them to your your existence or your life. Yeah. You know, I found this extraordinary liberation when I read um, Charlotte Joko Beck for the first time. Do you know her? Mm-mm. Oh, you would love Charlotte Joko Beck. So she's got this great book called Daily Zen or Everyday Zen. And at that point, I had started reading a lot of particularly Buddhist material at that at that point. And I was learning about meditation and all this kind of stuff. And other stuff too, you know, the four agreements and, you know, all these things that we read. And, um, and every step along the way, there was sort of this very subtle um, reinforcement of, of perfectionism, which I have deeply rooted in me. Like that's one of my ongoing lifelong learnings is untangling perfectionism within myself (laughs) um, and all the damage that it does. Right. Um, And each of these things sort of reinforce that, like you meditate enough, then you're going to find enlightenment. Right. And you follow the four agreements and you're going to have this beautiful, perfect life and all this stuff. And I was, I was grokking the concepts, but also feeling really daunted because there's that part of me that's always known that perfectionism isn't a thing. And then I got to Charlotte Joko Beck and she was like, nah, you're, you're always going to be neurotic. Like we're not trying to not be neurotic. We're not trying to let go of anything. We're trying to be with it and ideally finding even a little humor in it. Mm. Because that's pretty funny, right? We're pretty funny the way we get all reactive and weird. And that has that was so liberating for me to to see that idea, right? That I don't have to, not only can I not be perfected, but I don't even have to try to be perfected. I have to, I have the opportunity to. I don't have to. We don't have to do mm-hmm. much of shit in this life, right? But I have <laughs> the opportunity to practice accepting myself as I am. And that sort of a practice for me of like when I would get reactive in some way, I'd practice going like, oh, that's so me. Like when I'm that out, that's totally what I do. Like I get <laughs> blamey and weird and angry and sullen and withdrawn. Like that's so cute. That's so me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting how, what the heck was I? What the heck was I? I always have brain farts. What is wrong with me? I don't even know. How did, how did I become a host of a podcast? I have no idea. <laughs> but no, I was going to say how, at least for me, it was when you learn to sit with it. This is where I was going with it. When you learn to sit with it, that's when change starts happening, though, which is very when you're OK with it, when you're cool with it. And I guess I can speak in my own subjectivity because I don't know if it's true for everyone. But when I started like, oh, this is just everything is a process. Life is the process itself. There's no getting to the end of anything. So, you know, for instance, I guess a great example for me is uh, working out my physical health. I freaking hate working out. I really, but I've gone three months straight and it's, I didn't force myself to start it. 
I just, you know, after figuring out, okay, well, I don't want my lower back to hurt anymore after I'm done gardening, you know, those things as I get older, especially. And now it's like, I mean, working out has become a very, a daily routine, not daily, but a weekly thing, you know, three or four times a week for me with no issues with it. Yeah. And I found that in my life with everything that I'm trying to like change and add. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to do one thing at a time here. Because yeah. that's a thing too. Like you look at the list of things you need to work on and that you suck at. It's like, that, that's a novel in and yeah. of itself. Like, but that's the fun. That's the, the process of it. And I think as we get good with it, as we learn to be able to be just with it and okay with who we are, it's like, that's when change comes. I think we try to force change because we have to do it mm-hmm. in quotes. We have right. to, we feel like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And who the hell, nobody wants to do anything they have to do. Right. <laughs> nobody. Right. And, and, you know, you're hinting at something that I think about a lot. And then I talk about a lot, which is um, we have a sort of, and I think it's modern, but I don't know. I've only been alive 43 years. What do I know? But um, obsession with like smart goals and, and, hmm. you know, accomplishment and these kinds of things. And it's so often completely divorced with from what's actually important to us right so you know as I heard what I heard you saying was if I think about working out for the sake of working out like it's never going to happen because I don't give a shit like I don't I don't care about that right but when I think about it as I love gardening and I don't love being in pain and here's something that I can do that allows you know allows me to garden more comfortably and have that joy and that zen of gardening and I'm sure lots of other stuff right like back pain is prohibitive to a lot of really pleasurable things that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Playing with kids and making love and all sorts of stuff, right? Back pain, not so great. Everything. For you bet you're, you yeah. got a lower, bad lower back. Almost everything's affected. Yeah, exactly. So that when we connect the action to that, that bigger thing, right? And especially when we can connect it all the way to our values, right? And what enlivens us uniquely as human beings, then goals become peripheral to that, right? Goals are mm-hmm. the conduit to get us there. And then the daily actions to get to the goals aren't about achieving the goals. They're about, you know, really enlivening ourselves. Right. But I think we often, we often miss that part and we're like, no, it's somehow virtuous to run a marathon or earn a hundred K or whatever. Right. And so I must reach that thing, you know, when. And then you get it and you realize you felt just the same as you did the day before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So that, that like, obsessive attachment to to accomplishment just messes with people's heads right it messes with our heads yeah yeah i try to uh yeah i don't know it's it's a strange thing too because i feel like i've gone from i mean in the four years in these last four years i have gone from just getting out of rehab well i guess jail rehab um podcast and then now i'm doing video but now i'm a lead content creator at a company and it's like, it's never good enough for me. Like, mm-hmm. I never am like, all right, I can just chill back. And it's like, nope, yeah. all right, I got to get better at this, 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 and that. And I think, I I don't know, it's weird having, you got to find, I feel like I have a good relationship with that because I love that part of me that drives me and pushes me to be better and better and better. But I no longer allow that part of me to belittle me, which yeah. is, I think, a huge step, a huge piece of it because that's when I always used to up, you're not, and that would that would send me into fear. That would send me into not doing anything, and I just sit yeah. there and never. I've never accomplished anything in my life up yeah, until the totally. last few years, which isn't totally true, obviously. But I, mean, I just quit <laughs> so many more things that I would start, and I just I think I think you hit it on the head in the beginning of this when you talked about our relationships with things. Yeah, 
especially especially relationships with aspects of ourselves so you know like that what you just described is such an awesome example of how care how our superpower qualities right the things that make us the most awesome and most uniquely ourselves can also be the hammers that we hit ourselves over the head with if we're not paying attention to our relationship with it so there's an activity i love to do with clients where we map this stuff out Mm. right we map out things like anxiety and worry and fear and perfectionism and these kinds of things on a spectrum so that we can like literally identify where on that spectrum literally as literally as you can identify an emotional space right Mm -hmm. um but we can conceptualize i guess is a better way to say it where that quality is in the superpower zone and is doing things like to your point like in encouraging you or exciting you about growth and keeping you on your toes and keeping you in that really exciting place of perpetual learner and where that gauge tips into um, non-productive because it's turned it's turned into that hammer right fear anxiety like there's there's nothing that I've mapped so far with a client that isn't beneficial at some level so long as we keep it at an appropriate level Mm. so how do you know how do you know you've gone beyond that productive place and you've gotten to a place where you need to do some like self-management self-soothing self-nurturing like just to make sure I slow down yeah usually it is it is the the feeling i can usually it's the emotional feeling i have because it's night and day the difference between all right i'm gonna get better i'm excited about this i'm encouraged yes i kicked ass but it's when it becomes unhealthy it's it's very negative it's very it's not so much hey man awesome job you can do better like work on this and this and it'll be even better next time it's Mm -hmm. more of a you suck why do you even bother doing this kind of voice? And that's when I'm like, all right, we're not, we're not going down that road. Yeah. And, you know, and that's <laughs> usually what it, I can, what I can feel it is, is it's usually the, the emotion and the feeling that comes with it, with those, yeah. that, that voice in my head of do better, do better, do better. Yeah. Have you found, have you found a way to, or a need to self-nurture or self-soothe in those moments? Uh, usually, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of, uh, like, hey, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of one of those things. I mean, I have found that kind of helps with me. Like, all right, I'm snapping out of this. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's healthy or not, but it seems to do the trick for me. To be quite frank, I, I think honestly, uh, SB working alongside and developing the confidence and having the confidence of knowing that I can always do better and always improve. And I will, if I really want to do it. Yeah. I think that aligned with that belittling thing is like, like somebody talking shit to me on a basketball court or something like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what's up. (laughs) I've always liked the haters. Um, all the people who, you know, are in the background wishing you could, those are the people that have put fuel in my fire more than even the people who've encouraged me. Not that I don't yeah. need encouragement, not that I don't enjoy getting encouragement from people, but it's the people who hate on me. And so I kind of almost turn that voice into an adversary momentarily. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see, dude. We'll, yeah. see, we'll, we'll see who can and cannot do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what about, so what do you, like, walk me through, you know, you talked about your mapping and goals, and we kind of touched on so many things in only 20 minutes, which As we do, is right? expected. But, you know, kind of walk me through, like, if you had a session with a client and I guess whether they're newer or not, but somebody who wants to, like, get to some point in their life, how do you find, how do you get them to kind of at least try to lead them into a space where they're like, 
yes, these goals are important to me, but they're not the world either. Yeah, that's a great question. I like to, um, I want to, I want to invite people into the why, you know, so what would, what would be different in your life if you accomplished that, right? What would be problematic about your life if you didn't accomplish it, accomplish it? What's the story you're telling yourself about yourself and the importance of this goal, right? Ideally, I have the time to guide people through a fairly lengthy, but super helpful process of identifying their specific values right? Because if our goals aren't enlivening our values, if they aren't really specifically feeding into our values, then are they relevant? Mm. Sometimes they might be, right? Like eating more healthfully, right? May or may not be tied to a value, but it's important because we want to be, you know, we want to be in good shape while we're alive, (laughs) ideally, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yeah, but typically every goal, every really impactful goal is going to lead into some sort of value. And if it doesn't, then let's get really curious about about why not and where this is coming from. So something I think about a lot and I work with people on is what I call lint in the Velcro. Lint in the Velcro? Lint in the Velcro. So you know how like when you have like Velcro, Velcro closure on your sleeve, right? (laughs) And the lint gets stuck in it, right? String and stuff. And it's so hard to get it back out and super annoying, right? Yes, it is. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I know. I got all these straps for my camera gear and their Velcro and there's always stuff yeah. in them. Like, oh. And there's junk in them. Right. And yeah. Um, and it's really, really hard to get back out. And most of the time we just don't. Right. Most of the time we're like, oh, there's that annoying lint. We move on with our lives. Right. And so um, by my way of thinking, we all have values that are lint in the Velcro that we've picked up from family and from culture. Mm, I and love they that. Are, I yeah, love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And they're impactful and they're really hard to get back out. So I'm not suggesting that we take like toothpicks and ice picks and stuff and try to get all that back out. I don't know that that's a thing, Um, but that we recognize that that's there and that it's exerting a force, right? It's exerting tension on us, but that it may not be our value, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about our relationships with accomplishment, I think for a lot of people it's Lynn, right? The, The sort of the social norm of accomplishment, not that we don't each have our own idea of a life well lived of course we do usually unexamined and i think it's really helpful to examine Mm -hmm. it um but that we all you know oh my gosh find me the person without body image issues especially women right that's lint in the velcro to imagine that there's one type of body that is good and virtuous and beautiful and sexy like ridiculous right but Mm -hmm. it's it's really gummy lint in the velcro um and so when we're exploring goals with people especially goals that people find elusive right? I've been trying to do this thing forever and it's just not happening. And I can't figure out why I'm not getting there. Right. Is that, lint, is that lint usually, I was going to say, is that usually a good sign that that's lint in the Velcro? I, I want a tattoo of that. That sounds, I love that how it comes <laughs> off the tongue and everything. <laughs> I, you know, it, so it's one of two things in my experience, right? Either, either there's some lint in the Velcro going on or there's some gnarly gremlin voice that's shouting us down. Right. So that, that part of you that's, that's, um, you know, smack talking you on the court, right? I would put in the category of gremlin voice. And then we get to get curious about that. Like it does that gremlin voice. Is it coming with a kernel of interesting information, maybe about values, maybe about lint, maybe about something else. Mm -hmm. Right. Or is it just, just an old worn out story about ourselves, right? That, that we need to, to help settle down in one way or another. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if, 
if you can tell something to shut the fuck up and it actually does, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> if that gets it out of your way, cool. Like for me, it's a little bit more of a, it's a, it's a different process. <laughs> <laughs> I've done plenty of that. When I first started working with my gremlins, there was a lot of like, shut up and go away kind of talk, but now it's a, it's sort of a different kind of process, but yeah, I guess it's more of a, why don't you slow your roll buddy kind of yeah. thing, you know, not really shut up and go. Cause again, I love that, that critic. And I love that thing that drives me to constantly be better. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, chill out, dude. Like, slow yeah. your roll. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, let's just let's ease up there, bud. Like, there's no, <laughs> this, is all, this is all a trick anyway. I don't know where we're trying to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is the balance. So yeah, I, I was just thinking a minute ago, I really need to look up hedonism because I don't actually know what that philosophy is. Like, I don't, I, I know the colloquial idea of hedonism. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what it actually is about. But I, but the more I do this exploration that you and I are both so in much in the thick of, right? And we're so fascinated with, um, the more I, I notice that it serves me, like it benefits me. It feels good to me. Hmm. Even, even the embracing, so circling back to earlier in our conversation, even embracing the heartbreak and the pain and the suffering like ultimately it feels good to me not in a self-flagellating like you know snm kind of way but in a like noticing how it passes and noticing how it brings it allows space for so much more joy and connection with myself and others and so much more pleasure to my days and it allows me to do things like reach out to these people yesterday and be like hey this is going to be a weird day for me come hang out <laughs> which is not something i could have done even a few years ago right too vulnerable too scary too exposed you know and all that's been uh, um, an experience of embracing. So I feel like it's a place where selfishness circles back around and, and hooks up with selflessness, mm. you know, and there are winds everywhere. So, yeah, I may have gotten off topic, but. No, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so strange. I don't know. Like, it's hard to even put in words that whole sitting in pain and somehow it being beautiful and like peaceful yeah. and okay. Yeah. Like it's a it's a very strange thing and I think our constant desire to avoid it is probably one of the biggest cause of issues that everybody's having that you know when people have problems I it's I mean we just want this whole happiness and I love and I'm sure I shared this with you <clears throat> excuse me I'm sure I shared this with you when we talked last that I ever tell you about I don't even remember the name of the movie but it was a Netflix movie and there, it's a world, you know, it's like a future where there's no pain, no physical pain, no emotional pain, and everything's good. And the drug dealers in this movie sell pills that make you feel emotional and physical pain. I do not remember that, and I must see this. <laughs> I have to find, I, SB, I've been trying to find the name of the movie for like 10 years. I can, I've, I've tried Google on so many different things. I cannot find the name of it. Wow. I don't remember it. I just remember that like blowing my mind because this was like right before my really, I mean, I would say my kind of awakening and journey of introspection began at my late 20, about 26 and it was right around that time. So it was some time ago, but I just remember thinking like, that's, that's insane. And yeah. then, you know, kind of was like, well, you know, why does it make any sense? But then you kind of start thinking that, okay, well, we've just created a label of what's good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have no idea what's good or bad. It's just words we come up with and we gives us one emotional response. The other gives us another. So we've decided to label them, but there's still just things that are happening. And when we can kind of just sit in them and realize these are things that are just, this is life. This is existence. 
and we wouldn't be able to know this joy wouldn't be able to know this beauty this love literally like people think it's oh yeah, yeah but literally you would not know what happiness was if you never experienced sadness and it's just one of those things i think that brings you to a point of like all right well i gotta deal with this in order so i know what i love and what brings beauty and joy to my life well, yeah so what i hear you saying when i translate it to sb speak is um it's all information mm. There you go. Right. Yeah. And our pain is information. That was much it's... better than the way I said. That was quick. No, no, no. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> go team. Because your explanation matters, right? It matters for grokking it because it is such a weird concept, right? Because exactly what you said, right? We've labeled things as good and bad. And when we can hang in the space where we acknowledge that almost nothing is purely good or purely bad, almost nothing. Right. But if we can hang with that, it's information and that we can be curious about that information, we can explore it, we can utilize it. Have you seen um, Kelly McGonigal's TED Talk? I have not. About, it's about stress. It's super worth it. And she did all this research, laboratory research about the impact of stress on the body and what she discovered. And she was coming at it from sort of the classic belief that stress is negative and it, and it leads to heart problems and constricted vessels and all the, you know, blah, blah, medical mm -hmm. speak. I don't know um, that, that what she actually found in her research though, was that it was really the relationship with stress that either led to, or didn't lead to the um, problematic physical aspects. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And so when we believe that stress was a problem, then we experience stress as a problem. And then we had all these physiological changes when we treat stress like, oh, my body's activating because I got stuff going on. Oh, I got a big presentation. My body's getting all geared up for it. Way to go, body. This is cool. Like, let's go do this mm. thing. Like I'm amped now. I'm ready. Then it, we don't see those same effects. Yeah, it's, uh, I love that. I love that too. Because I've, it's funny because I still get anxiety all the time. Sure. All the time. Like I hate doing things in front of people. I hate like getting up and whatever it is, but I've, I've developed that kind of almost that exact attitude of, all right, this is happening. Mainly. I think it's more of the attitude of this is uncomfortability means change. Change means going forward. And that's what I want. So it's like, all right, I got to get better at this, this, and this, even like bringing up a raise at uh, my one review uh, last week. It was like, first I was like, oh, I don't want to bring up money. Don't want to bring up money. I hate that. Nobody likes it. And it was like, yeah. I just forced myself to do it. Like, all right, well, anything else? Yeah, well, let's talk money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's do it. And it's like, oh, man, we just create these these stories of things that haven't even happened yet. If we do them, when and when our body becomes anxious, yeah, I don't. it's almost like I want to run and hide. Yeah. And I love that whole, all right, oh, wait, I'm just, I'm alive. This is waking me up. All right, that means I'm getting ready to do something new something exciting yeah totally um there's this language that i love that i think a lot of coaches use but i i learned it from a, a dear friend of mine um mr kim christensen um about a, he says a story i'm telling myself and i love i love that framing right um i can get really antsy and impatient in group meetings love one-on-one -on -one. i'm a classic introvert in that way love one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one time put me in a group meeting i'm gonna get antsy and everybody's using more words than i want and i just want people to be concise <laughs> and shut up and let's move on um and so i'm in a meeting with him and i'm getting really antsy and he can tell i'm getting antsy and after the meeting he's he sent me a note and he was like i'm telling myself a story that you were frustrated with my facilitation or something like that 
And, and that was really cool because it gave him a chance to share it with me in a way where I wasn't going to get reactive. It's his story. And I could also be like, actually, yeah, I was, I was getting antsy and that's totally on me, right? This is how I react in group situations, right? So we're, it's an invitation to self-responsibility and curiosity, mm. right? And, and, you know, and to your point, we're all always telling ourselves stories, right? So am I telling myself a story that this stress is problematic and forever, or am I telling myself a story that my body is activating and it's going to get me through this scary experience of stretching myself, right? Am I telling myself a story of capability? Am I telling myself a story that somebody's upset with me, right? We do a lot of that kind of stuff. I had a, a whole thing a couple of few weeks ago where I, I um, gave my stepson and his wife some news I didn't want to give them. And there was, we were doing it all by text and um, and I'm telling myself the story that they're mad at me and like, and they're going to, you know, there's going to be this whole dust up and it's going to be this big family thing. And I, you know, spent all this time agonizing over it. And I eventually recorded this very vulnerable video message to take it away from text. So I could send it to the whole family chat and be like, this is how I'm, and we are not a family that does that necessarily. <laughs> right. And so I'm like really out on a limb now. And the next day I get all these messages back. They're like, oh, we're not upset. We totally get it. Like, yeah, we love you. Everything's cool. <laughs> I fucking do that to myself all of the time. <laughs> Stress about something for a week, you know, even if it's at work, whatever, just, you know, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Make this big deal out of something like, okay, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah no biggie. <laughs> like, wait, what? Oh, Lord. I love that. Tell my, I tell, I'm telling myself a story. What a way to, yeah. um, because that's what I, like, when I talk with people with different beliefs, values, difference of opinions, whatever that may be. I'm always, I always kind of use that, that question form of like, you know, well, I or follow it up with a, you know, kind of like, um, I feel, or I believe, or I think like just emphasizing the, this is just my beliefs over here and you're entitled. Not that, um, I feel like we get into that forcefulness yeah. of I'm right. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is, is I've been in too many disagreements or differences of opinions where I've looked back on them and realized I was the one that was wrong. <laughs> isn't that doesn't that just suck <laughs> yeah, yes yes it does like oh yeah wait hold on you know and i just realized i you know at the same time i just don't know shit and yeah. it's better for me to even even if it's to protect myself in the future where it's like oh yeah okay well that's why i said you know in my opinion you know just letting you know <laughs> to uh to use that to use that tool but i love that i'm telling myself a story because that really throws it out there that a, this is probably just made up, so yeah. nobody gets offended by that. Because I mean, that happens too. Like, no, I wasn't doing that. Why would you think that? You know, and I think that's awesome. That's a huge piece. Yeah. I think everyone, especially in your more intimate relationships, more than anything, yeah. but everywhere, everywhere you go, everywhere we're doing this, right? And I like to couple that language with um, a part of me language, because mm. like you know, as you were alluding to earlier, there are these times when we feel like a feeling, we believe in the core of our beings that a feeling is going to last forever, right? This pain or this anxiety or this whatever is going to last forever. And so of course we get into that reactive place where we're like, I have to do whatever it takes to get out of this, whether it is yelling at somebody or taking a drink or whatever, right? Whatever our numbing mechanism is, our reactive go-to is, right? that pain is like, I'm going to always be here unless you do this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I like to bring in the part of me language to be like, okay, a part of me is feeling this pain. What else might be here? 
and there's almost we're so complex there's always something else maybe it's curiosity maybe it's that little thread of wisdom that's like no pain never lasts forever right this this always ends it always has it always will right but we do tend to i think we have a strong drive to make more simple what is so complex right and we are so complex and life is so complex and our in our world are so complex right and so we tend to try to squish things into good and bad right or wrong you know yes and no and all that but if we can instead be like instead of saying i am angry we can say a part of me is angry or i'm i am anxious okay a part of me is anxious what else is here well there's some excitement because i'm gonna bring up getting a raise and i might get it mm-hmm. and that's exciting you know okay so that's there too what else because yeah when you when you when you are like I'm anxious. That just assumes your entire being is anxious and you believe that. And then that makes you more anxious. And then, I mean, we all know that downward, downward spiral (laughs) because that's just, that's just a train wreck. And so to say part of me is anxious and then to acknowledge other parts of you, I'm sure that's be, I'm going to have to uh, try that one too. That's a good one. Yeah. And you know, and please do, I find it so powerful. And that comes from, or at least I first heard it in this really cool partnered meditation technique called focusing. Um, but it takes me back to your, your friend, right. And he's heartbroken and his marriage is on the rocks and, or whatever, however that's going to play out. Right. And, and a part of him is whatever panicking, a part of him is probably angry, right. Mm -hmm. A part of him is probably scared. Hell, there might be a part of him that's relieved that's being real shy, right? I mean, usually when things go dicey on a relationship, there's there's it's more complex than just the person who stepped out. Just the one thing that happened, yeah. Right. So maybe deep down within all that sadness and anger and blame and all that, there's a little part of him that's like, ooh, this this is actually a pretty good escape hatch. <laughs> like, I don't know, I yeah. don't know your friend, you know? Yeah, you know, I was well, when you kind of brought up um the uh lint and the velcro. It made me think of so many things that I grew up believing that were big values of mine that were literally just my family, my parents. Yeah. Like, and how many of those do we have that that we don't ever break, that we fight yeah. for? Like, yeah. I hear my dad fight about, like, Christianity and God and the Bible being a literal truth and the absolute truth. I'm like, dude, you don't open your Bible. You haven't gone to church for years. Like, what, what, <laughs> what part of this, like, why is this so important to you? I don't even understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and how many, how many things do we have in our life that are, that are like that? And it's like, it doesn't really, I used to get upset SB. I used to get upset because I thought other people who are watching me will think that I need to be upset. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. have you ever done that? That is the dumbest <laughs> thing in the world. The dumbest thing you could possibly do. Uh, I'm going to pretend to be angry about this because people on the outside looking at me will think that I should be angry. And if I'm not angry, they won't think I care and blah, blah, blah. Like that whole mess of things. I'm yeah. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. I, I have a vivid memory of being, I'm not going to set the whole scene because it's kind of weird, but but talking to this person I didn't know, he said something to me. I, I was gauging. I was like eight. No, I was like 22 at the time. I'm trying to figure out what reaction it is that he wants. I give a reaction. I see on his face it was clearly the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And there that there's that people please are part of me that that clearly was so uncomfortable with having chosen the wrong one that I thought I was supposed to give, right? That it sticks with me now mm-hmm. twenty years later. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I know it's it's such a we're so strange. Yeah. I mean, my conclusion always comes to it always comes back to how we need to be like there's so many people just that awareness, I guess, is 
I don't want to say the key as in like it fixes everything, but that's how you start changing things. And I think there's such a lack of introspection and awareness and there's so much escapism and there's so much going back to what we kind of talked about before, avoiding the bad because there's nothing good about it. And just there's so much of that. And I found that throughout my journey through rehabs and jail and recovery and whatever else, everybody I've talked to, just like people just want instant that instant gratification. They just want that instant fix. They don't want to deal with their troubles. They don't want to go through darkness. And I mean, I think it just comes back to so much just awareness. You know, but I think it's worth acknowledging that we come by it honestly, Mm -hmm. that our, our whole society is set up to teach us that. Mm-hmm. Right. And speak of Lent that gets passed from generation to generation. Right. You suck up your feelings. Right. And we're taught to suck up our feelings. We're taught to like, hey, kid, you don't need to be crying. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a time for crying or better yet, especially the boys like keep crying. I'll give you something to cry about. I mean, how <laughs> many kids have been told that? Right. Instead of being like, hey, you're having a natural, normal human emotion. Like, what do you need and, right now? Yeah. And that's okay. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's cool. That's what we do as humans. We have emotions. So you're having one right now. It looks like an uncomfortable one. Right. But that's not what any of us are taught. And in fact, our entire culture is built around faster, 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 faster gratification. Now, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon primes so that you don't even have to wait two days to get your widget. Right. What you and I do and everybody out there, because there's lots of us, right? Everybody out there who is so fascinated by and committed to introspection and growth is is radical. It is counterculture. And it's hard to be countercultural for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is really, really hard to buck that norm. And I don't know if you went through, I'm assuming you did, but you'll tell me, I hope, but like go through some really lonely times in in embracing this path because it isn't the norm i remember having more than one person be like seriously you need to watch more tv because i have nothing to talk to you about (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't yeah i don't i think that that has increased my my um not introspection geez my intro you know being an introvert that's increased that that's increased my i don't like going to bars like Mm -hmm. or restaurants or any of that like i never was that was not even when i was drinking a ton i was not going to bars like it just i don't want to have a conversation about nothing yeah. I don't want to have a conversation about the bills, the weather, or the, I guess you don't know the Buffalo bills football. Followed, that's a big, a big, big thing. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's bringing that. Everybody talks. Oh yeah. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> and even like my family, like I see my family get together and I'm terrible at family. Like everybody, like Christine, my mom, my sister, my dad are always like, Oh, you did good. You did good. Socializing. <laughs> because I don't like, I don't want to talk about, it's always usually the past, you know, it's like, I don't want to just sit here and talk about the past and what's it like, just, I don't want to do it. I've had to teach myself to have small talk and be able to do it because then you look like a douche right? all the time. But um, yeah, no, I just to answer your question. Yes. Yes. I have had, uh, I have definitely had some times where I'm like, ah, it's awesome. And I'm assuming you could probably speak having a partner, a significant other that's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Oh my gosh. Do you feel like you two are in some way in alignment um, on your growth paths or do you see some some interesting distinctions? I don't know if I'm asking that well. Um, like, do you mean like, as far as like, I don't know, like different pathways, like journeys or? Yeah, and like how it plays out for each of you. Yeah, I would, I definitely, I mean, she's in the, like she has all different books than I do. She listens to all different podcasts than I do. Relatively, I mean, there's a lot of overlap. 
um, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, that would be annoying if she listened to all the same stuff that I did. <laughs> like, cause, I mean, because she showed me so like Michael Pollan's a great author journalist oh. that I love. And I mean, she showed me him. So, you know, it goes back and forth. We show each other new people and new things. And, have, yeah. you know, because obviously, I mean, I feel like how could it be kind of together? You know, I mean, we're all obviously she's a totally different human being and individual than I am. Um, yeah. Her journey is completely different. And what she needs to work on in her life is totally different than what I need to work on in my life. And I think I think it's great. I mean, I've learned, I mean, so from being disciplined, from routine, like how important routine is every day from this woman. I mean, I could sit here for a whole nother podcast and tell you all the things that she makes me better at. <laughs> but yeah, I would say no, I would definitely say we're definitely on a different different pathway. Yeah, that's that's so that's been an interesting journey for me, especially as a coach, because I see so my my fiance Teresa, I see like her approach to all of this and even the places where she doesn't have an approach places where she doesn't, you know, she's not super interested in bringing curiosity at this point in her life. Um, and, and practicing accepting that instead of stirring the pot, which I do is what I do for a living and for joy mm -hmm. and for everything, right? Like I'm just, I'm a pot stirrer through and through. And so practicing accepting that, like, it's okay for her to have her own journey in her own way at her own pace. Um, and that what I actually need is, not that she's not a profoundly amazing partner in growth because she is. And a lot of that has to do with the space that she's willing to give me mm. and that she doesn't need me to be in lockstep with her. That's you know? awesome. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. She's also just incredibly intuitive. One of my favorite Teresa stories happened when we were just barely dating. I mean, we we're like, you know, just sort of newly sparkly dating in a way we were friends for a while first. And I was, I had gotten into a real reactive spiral. I was just, I was really having a moment. It was not pretty. <laughs> and, uh, and I was trying to get her to argue with me, not intentionally, right? It was just part of my reactivity, right? To, to try mm -hmm. to get her in on it with me. And she sat down on the edge of my bed and I can see her body posture right now. She was just sort of hunched over and she looked at me and she said, you know, I love you and I'm not going to do this with you. And it was just like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, well, I'm, I, you could probably speak to this then too. Like it is awesome having an awesome at times. Sometimes in the middle of it, I'm like, why did I wish for this? <laughs> but somebody who can call you out sometimes when you're being a jackass and yes. not knowing it. And Christine does that to me for me all the time. Yeah. And there, there are times like you idiot. You're the one like, stop complaining about this. You're the one who asked for this. Like you're the one who was like, literally was like when I was married to somebody who I didn't want to be married to, where it was all just all my fault. Everything I sucked at. We never talked about things she needed to work on. She was control. I mean, the list goes on of things that she was. And obviously I wasn't perfect and all that, but that's another topic. You know, when I was in that relationship, I remember specifically thinking like, this cannot be what marriage is. This cannot be what love is. This cannot be how it is. Like I need somebody who's going to make me a better person. Yeah. And I always remind myself of that moment when I'm like pulling my hair out because Christine's like calling me out on some shit I'm doing. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I I had an awesome first marriage. I really did. I've, I've been very uh, lucky in a lot of a lot of ways in my life. So I had this really fantastic decade long first marriage to this really, really wonderful man. And But we had an implicit unspoken doing the best we could, but not knowing better agreement to not rock the boat no matter what. Mm. And so there wasn't calling each other out. 
and there wasn't room to grow and there wasn't room to communicate deeply. And when change happened as it does naturally, it just really disrupted stuff. And so then when the rubber met the road, we just had no skills or tool or ability to connect over what was happening in our marriage. Mm. And I can run a lot of thought experiments now of like, and I try not to, but it happens, right? Of like, if I knew now, you know, if I knew then what I know now, would our marriage have fallen apart? Well, it's, it's irrelevant because I love where my life is now, right? Um, so no, I don't regret that, but there is that lingering sense of like, oh, and so when, when, you know, when things get challenging or painful or I get called out by Teresa or whatever, it's like, okay, like we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And we're building skills on how to do it better and better. And, and like, I hate this moment and it sucks and <laughs> it's really important and valuable and, and how great that we have this, that we're not letting this thing slip by and become a problem for us. Right. But that we're like being here with our feelings and having, having that whole experience so circle and right back around at the beginning of the conversation, right. Like holding it all and knowing, trusting, um, deeply within us that that embracing that discomfort that moment of discomfort that is inevitable in every relationship is actually a gateway to more connection and more joy and um yeah mm. bigger and better yeah that's beautiful i think uh, our next conversation i'm telling you right now it's already like i gotta get yeah, going we gotta go. <laughs> and i'm like we'll never i'm never doing this again with you because that is this is nowhere near 55 minutes or whatever is nowhere near long enough to have a conversation with you but we're going to have to uh, do uh, relationships, too. We'll have to talk of keep that down Yes. as a point of conversation for next time. Okay. It's so on. It's I will, on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to – I can just uh, keep scheduling you on cal- your Calendly, right? That'd be great. Uh, we're gonna do it, honestly, because I feel like I'm, my podcast now is like there's no motivation to it other than great conversations, and I'm going to have a lot of repetitive people that I just love talking to. I don't even <laughs> care anymore. I love our conversations. I love where you go with these things. I love what you bring out. So yeah, any old time, man. (laughs) Yeah, likewise, likewise. All right, SB, you are the best. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for rescheduling with me. And next time I'll make sure we have more than an hour. All right, (laughs) right, have a great rest of your week. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye.